we're near the end of Matthew's gospel, and uh, one thing that really stands out to me in this passage uh, really um, is the word fulfilled. Uh, the word fulfilled. And uh, as we as we read this passage together, uh, Matthew 26, we'll be in the latter part of it. So verses 30 um, and following, uh, about halfway through. And so um, last week, Chris pr- uh, preached for us uh, about uh, Thursday night. Um, so much happened uh, in Passion Week, probably, I don't know, estimate of like 40% of the Gospels are one week in the life of Jesus. And here we are on Thursday night. Uh, it's been called Monday Thursday. Uh, the disciples have just taken the, um, Jesus has just instituted the Lord's Supper, and they've taken from um, uh, the bread, and um, they've drank from a cup. And Jesus is going to talk about another cup um, in, in our passage today. But uh, if you look, for example, in John's Gospel, this one night uh, encompasses chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and then into 19. Uh, in the, this is a sleepless night for Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but he, did, he does not sleep. Um, he, he will stay awake until he utters those words, it is finished. Um, and so uh, here we are. It's a very sober passage, um, a very intimate passage. Uh, We will look at Jesus um, here with his disciples, beginning in verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So 
Leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your swords back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is, this, what is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard this blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know 
what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. The word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Um, so this passage uh, this morning has so much happening in it, but really I want to focus on the characters. Um, we see here the passion of the Christ is directly fulfilling scripture. Jesus, um, his life, his death, his resurrection, all of this is predicted in the Old Testament scriptures. And, and we begin this passage with Peter, and he is being presumptuous or overconfident. He is confident that even though um, Jesus has said, all of you, uh, verse uh, 31, uh, all of you will fall away because of me this night. He is confident that even if everyone else falls away, he will stand firm. Uh, Peter has a confidence that is stronger than the scriptures. Jesus says, no, 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 Peter. Um, in Zechariah 13, 7, it says, uh, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And the, script, and the scriptures remain unbroken. Um, as we see in this passage, the last verse, the rooster crows and Peter weeps. Jesus makes uh, predictive prophecy in this passage uh, about Peter, um, about the disciples, uh, and they all made, it wasn't just Peter uh, denying Christ and fleeing. All the disciples did the similar thing, it tells us in verse 35. And so, uh, really, this passage c centers on Jesus' time in Gethsemane. Um, this is the battle of the ages, uh, the center of history, uh, is the cross of Christ and his resurrection, but the power to endure, um, the power to stand firm, the, the power to overcome temptation um, for Christ. Uh, this was a time of great sorrow, a time of great trouble for our King, for our Lord, for Jesus. And what's happening in contrast to him, his disciples, they are sleeping. And we might be wondering, well, Jesus needs them so much, how could they possibly be sleeping at this time? But if we recall the events of this past week, going all the way back to chapter 21, the entering uh, into the city of Jerusalem, it has been an intense week. Jesus has been with crowds, there's been confrontation, there's been uh, his teaching on a number of occasions. And so the disciples are frail, they're feeble, they're exhausted, they're weak. Um, and Jesus tells us that uh, himself, that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so Jesus prays this uh, prayer that is well known to all Christians, not my will, but your will be done. He prays three times. 
And uh, this cup that Jesus talks about, the Old Testament refers to uh, regularly as the cup of God's wrath. It's a bitter cup. And Jesus would drink every drop of it. And so the cup that Jesus offered to his disciples in the Lord's Supper, he said, this is the new, this is my blood of the covenant, the new covenant. It's poured out for the forgiveness of many. Uh, the life that we have, the forgiveness that we have from God costs Jesus his blood. And so the, the battle the ages is fought and won. Um, I think another time of intense battle for Jesus was back in chapter 4 in the wilderness. Here we are in a garden, but there in the wilderness, uh, the devil tempted him to use his resources, to use his divine power, um, and misuse it even, to subvert the plan of the Father, which Jesus has always been in agreement with. And so here he is, he's praying that the Father's will would be done, and the Father's will is done. The scriptures remain unbroken. The bitter cup does not pass from him. He drinks it to the dregs, as the Old Testament refers to. So his suffering and his death bring everlasting life to sinful creatures. And that's really what we see in this passage. We see deniers, Peter, the other disciples. Um, we see betrayers, Judas, with a kiss. Jesus calls him friend. We see uh, those who would abandon him in his hour of need, the disciples. We see accusers and mockers, uh, this Jewish mock trial that Jesus has led to be taken on. I don't know if you've picked this up, but Jesus is on trial, and this will continue through the night. And he goes to a series of trials. He goes to a Jewish trial, a Roman trial, back to a Jewish trial, and it's just trial after trial into the wee hours of the night um, throughout, throughout the entire night into the morning. Betrayers, abandoners, deniers, accusers, mockers. This is you. This is me. Our list of sin fits in with all these characters that surround the perfect Son of God that we see in this passage. Jesus says in verse 45, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And that's you, and that's me. And so we see Jesus, we, we see him pray, we watch him pray, um, we watch him die that we might live. And this is quite astonishing, I think, uh, the first time we hear um, of how Jesus handled this pressure, this stressful moment. Uh, he turns completely to the Father, and at his disposal, at his disposal, uh, Peter pulls out his sword and chops off, and he says, no, this is not the way. He chops off an ear. Um, Jesus tells him to put his sword away in verse 52, and he gives us a reminder that he has all power, all divine resources available to him, legions of angels at his disposal, but he would not call upon them. He would not just add out the whisper of a word. They would come to his aid and come to his, deliver him. But this is the plan of God. And Jesus prayed, uh, even though his soul was sorrowful, even to death, 
he prayed, not that his will would be done, but the Father's will would be done. So why? Why is this the way? Um, Peter didn't understand it in the heat of that moment. I don't think we always understand uh, what's going on in our lives in the heat of trial, in the heat of temptation, in the midst of sorrow and pain and urgent situations. I mean, what's happening here? Jesus is being betrayed. They're coming with clubs and swords. And don't we need to do something? Don't we need to defend him? Well, Jesus reminds us, verse 54, how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? It must be so. It must be this way. And that's tough because our flesh, I think our flesh doesn't want to suffer. Um, Jesus tells us, deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily and follow him. But we instinctively, we want to protect, we want to avoid suffering. But it must be this way. And this is the way of Christ. This is the way of Christians, those who call on his name and follow him as our shepherd. But the disciples, we see here that they would flee. Um, They would flee in the moment. And Jesus predicts that that would happen. He predicted that in Matthew 26, 34, and it happened in Matthew 26, 75. Um, The rooster crowed um, three times. So this is the mission of Christ. Um, He came. He's the only man who was ever born to die. That was his Uh, what have you come to do? Um, He's come to die that we might live. He's come to die on the cross that we might be forgiven. He's he's come to uh, give his blood in our place. And so to the cross is where Christ is going, and through the cross comes life everlasting. And so as we close, we're entering the end of Matthew's gospel, um, we can remember... um, this word fulfilled that Matthew used uh, time after time after time, he kept seeing that when he went back and read the Old Testament, uh, it was fulfilled, Matthew chapter 1 and 2. Um, And we imagine um, we have very little insight into Jesus before his earthly ministry. Just Luke's gospel shows us him at age 12. and he's asking questions, he's in the temple, but uh, Jesus knew the Old Testament scriptures, and he studied them faithfully, uh, as he reveals here, Um, but imagine Jesus coming to understand, coming to, it says he grew in wisdom and uh, understanding, favor with God and man, coming to read these passages in the Old Testament, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered, and him realizing, that's me, that's me, that's going to happen to me. And so, um, we see here um, the beauty of Christ and uh, surrounded by, really, by sinful men. And he is accomplishing his mission, um, the king's mission, accomplished or fulfilled. Um, That's the the title of this sermon. Um, We might think, well, it's not finished yet. He hasn't made it to the cross, but oh, he's going to the cross. Um, His life is bound by, tied to the scriptures. And so a couple of applications for us. um, I think one thing that that stands out in this passage is the authority of scripture. 
um, that Jesus shows us that, you know, the Old Testament, the New Testament, um, God spoke in times past through the prophets in these last days through his son. Uh, but the scriptures will never be unbroken. God will finish um, and accomplish everything that he's promised and everything that he has planned. Uh, and I think about our lives, you know, are our lives governed by Scripture? Um, certainly not exactly the same way as Christ. Uh, he is the Christ, the Messiah. He has verses um, in multitudes referring to him. Uh, but for us, uh, especially the New Testament letters, it talks about, you know, what does the, the Christian life look like? What does it look like to become more and more like Christ, to, be, to grow in our sanctification? And so we should take these, these passages uh, regularly. Um, we should be regularly meditating on these passages and praying that God would shape and form us to be more and more like Christ, that our lives would be in alignment with the, the scriptures. And I'm thinking in particular of passages like, um, you know, the latter half of Paul's letters, the second half of Colossians or Ephesians or um, Philippians. Paul begins with theology and, and, and doxology, and it, and it leads us to um, what our lives are to look like, loving one another, being kind to one another, um, dwelling on the word of Christ ritually, uh, letting his peace be in, upon us. And so may our lives be governed by the scriptures uh, in a healthy way. I'm not talking about a legalistic way like the scribes and Pharisees who thought that in the scriptures themselves they would find life. Uh, Jesus said um, that you study the scriptures thinking in them you, you have life, but they lead to me, and here I am before you, and you're rejecting me. Um, not in that way, but I am talking about our lives being governed by the scriptures in a way of, of John 8.32, I believe. Jesus said, if you abide in my teaching, you are my disciples, and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall you set you free. So is your life filled and guided by Scripture? Um, not in a dry sense, like I was just saying, but in the, um, in the God-breathed, living and active um, Scriptures, abiding in His teaching. And then a second application for us. Um, the first one, um, the authority of Scripture. And the, and the second one, the place of prayer. The place of prayer in the Christian life. How are you fighting and facing trials and temptations in your life? Um, how have you been making it, I mean, through COVID? Uh, it's been a very interesting time for me personally. A time of great uh, victory and growth. Um, personally. Um, I could share some examples of that. Uh, learning new things. Dilal and I were locked down for over three months. Um, we took some online courses. We uh, were able to reach out to our neighbors that live in our complex. Um, so a lot of blessings actually happened in such a dark time. Uh, but it was also, it's, I would say, like a, a roller coaster because there's been some very low times as well. Um, some very painful times, some times of intense anxiety and um, arrows. I mean, I've just been shot, like, and it really hurts uh, kind of times, um, trying to help the church through, um, through this time. 
but praise God, here we are, um, still moving forward. And so uh, my question, though, is how are you facing these trials and, and temptations? Are you using the sword like Peter, or are you realizing the power of prayer? Um, the battle of a- the ages was fought and won by Jesus in prayer. Um, so are we to take up the sword, uh, our fleshly ways? No. Are we to misuse our resources? Jesus had a legion, legions, legions of angels available to him, thousands of angels, but he didn't use them to go against the will of the Father. Um, and so that he said the Spirit is willing. We have the Spirit available to us. And uh, Paul would write in, in Philippians to have no confidence in the flesh. Jesus says the, the flesh is weak. We are sinners. Um, if Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? Lord, teach us to pray. That's something that really arrested the disciples' attentions, attention in the life of Jesus. So, um, prayer is the second point. So, is prayer an add-on in your life? Um, I struggle to pray sometimes. Um, there are seasons where I love to pray. Um, there are seasons where I love to gather with other brothers and sisters, uh, a small group, or just another brother, and just pray. Um, But there are other times that are quite dry and difficult to pray. But I think sometimes prayer is an add-on in our lives. We pray because that's what we do. You know, we, it's it's time to eat a meal. Let's pray and give thanks. But um, Jesus shows us that prayer was his top resource in the time of trial um, and, and temptation. Um, Jesus shows us that prayer is intimacy with the Father and power to live the Christian life, power to endure, power to stand, power to live for Christ in a compromising world, power to love in the face of slander, gossip, betrayal, lies, and more, power to focus on the mission and to endure to the end. And so let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you um, for this morning. Thank you for this time in your word. Thank you that you show us uh, so many people uh, surrounding Christ as he walks that lonely road um, to Calvary, to Golgotha. And uh, thank you for um, showing us such intimate moments between him and you. Uh, We pray that you would help us to be people of prayer Um, Help us to be people whose lives are governed by your word as well. Um, Father, um, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from you. Uh, But many try to live by just bread alone. And um, if we're honest, we are prone to grab our sword uh, when we're in a heated situation. But help us to trust in you and give us insight, Lord, um, like the passages like, James tells us to count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds. That's, that's otherworldly talk. That's, that's from you, Father. Um, or to fix our hearts and our minds on things above and not on earthly things. That comes from you, Father. And thank you for how you uh, really arrest our attention and our, um, in our minds and our hearts through your word. And so I, I just pray for each and every one of us that we would be anchored uh, in your word as we move forward in our Christian lives and also that we would be people of prayer and people of power in our lives because we depend on you and not ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.